Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Totally Well Show. I'm your host, Joyce Strong. The Totally Well Show is a place where we get curious, ask questions, and explore everything to do with health, wellness, fitness, personal development, helping people, and all the things it takes to help you live a strong, joyous life. I am so happy to bring Mark Palmer to you as my guest today on Totally Well. Mark is a uh, copywriter, writer, uh, a public speaker, and his specialty is on learning differences, autism, and um, mental health issues. Um, Mark is himself uh, autistic. He has a diagnosis that he got at age 40, believe it or not. And um, he is working very hard to raise awareness and to um, help us understand what neurodiversity is and um, help neurotypical people make learn how to talk to autistic people and make accommodations um, in the workplace and in your personal life to um, to make communication easier and um, have everybody feeling included. And so this whole work with inclusion has really um, expanded into neurodiversity. You know, we think of it in other ways, including people with handicaps and, and um, oftentimes people with um, on the spectrum of learning differences and um, communication differences and having, um, as Mark said, your brain wired differently. Um, it's not as easy to see that you need to make an accommodation and it ends up being such a win-win when you do. Um, so Mark gave me a pretty good grade today on, on my ability to chat with him. Um, we certainly got comfortable because we're both comfortable in this space talking about helping people and what we can do and having a mission. So I'm so grateful to Mark Palmer for coming on, um, on Totally Well today. I hope you will reach out to him. He is on Twitter and he has a website which is in the show notes. So do reach out to him. He would love to to get your questions. And um, if you need a speaker, he is a uh, very good speaker, a very articulate, wonderful um, sense of humor. And uh, I really do encourage you to reach out to him for speaking and um, for help with uh, writing and copywriting. Um, so enjoy this episode of Totally Well. Hi, Mark. Thank you so much for coming on Totally Well Show. Hi, Joyce. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And um, for my listeners, this is Mark Palmer, and today we're going to talk about some um, uh, terms that I'm not totally familiar with. I know autistic, um, but neurodiversity, mental health, and really um, in the uh, what it's like to have that diagnosis, which Mark does, and um, and talk about what it's like to live in that frame and work and and all of that that encompasses. So I'm really looking forward to hearing about your experiences and your journey. Yes, that, that'd be great. There's a, there's a lot to talk about. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. So you are you do speaking as well, right? You go and speak to people about mental health and neurodiversity? I, I do a little speaking. I'd, I'd like to do more because it's something I really enjoy, but I, I've been doing a lot of sharing uh, at the, at where I work. I work for the government. Uh -huh. I've been doing a lot of sharing with other staff at different events, both both in my office and wider for, for the region, uh -huh. about neurodiversity, trying to raise awareness, trying to build support for, for other staff with, with neurodiverse conditions. Neurodiverse, should we start there, is people like me whose, whose heads are wired differently, I find is the best way to, to, to describe it. It, it. Neurodiversity 
covers a range of issues, autism perhaps being the best known, but it also includes dyslexia, dyspraxia, which is where you're basically quite clumsy, but there's nothing you can do about it. It's just the way you're wired. Uh, and ADHD as well, which is uh, attention deficit disorder. So there's a whole range of conditions within neurodiversity, but they're all related because they all refer to basically having having your head wired differently. So, so you act or think a bit differently. And, and I've been the last few years doing occasional speaking about those conditions about how it affects my life and about how it affects others and, and the huge amount that neurodiverse people have to bring to employers to work to every aspect of life if they can just have things made a little bit easier and a few minor ways to, to, to accommodate them. Very nice. I, I'd like to hear a little bit about uh, about your experience, uh, because I read about you and uh, noticed that you didn't really understand what was going on with you until um, later in life. Yes, I've, I've always felt different. Yeah. From, from my earliest memories, I've always felt different. I, I was always the weird kid in the corner with no friends at school. I was yeah. bullied a lot at school. Um, I went to a lot of different schools. We moved around a lot because of my dad's job. And I always found it very, very hard to make friends. Um, dealing with people has always been difficult. Yeah. And I've just always felt very, very different and not known why. And, and when you think about that for long enough, you come to the conclusion that there's something wrong with you. Yes. And so for a very, very long time, I thought it was just me and that I was just strange and weird and there was nothing I could do about it. And I kept trying not to be. And I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And so what did you do about it? What happened along the way that changed things for you? Um, probably about 15 years ago, I, I met my mother for lunch one day and she came armed with a, a, a pile of paper she'd photocopied, as mothers sometimes do, <laughs> saying, look, this is all about Asperger's syndrome. I think this is you. Just have a look and see what you think. And I didn't want to know because at that time it was a big stigma. It was another label. It, it just made you officially a weirdo, I thought, rather than, than unofficially. It wouldn't have helped me at all. It would just have made me even harder to employ or get promoted or whatever. And I just was not interested at all. But that planted a seed. Uh-huh. Okay. Then fast forward a good few years, um, I got divorced because my marriage was always difficult, at least partly because neither myself nor my wife understood that I was autistic, and that brought huge pressures. Uh, I then found a new partner who I married six months ago tomorrow, uh -huh. which is wonderful, who's a, actually a special needs teaching specialist. So she spends her whole life working with autistic people and is trained for them. Yeah. And she encouraged me to look further into it. So it's a huge amount of credit to see my wife. But also my work brought in a new system of, of assessing staff, of reporting on staff each year. And they had this ridiculous system where they had to put 10% sort of in a bottom category each year, which created problems for you. And because I was different because I would keep sitting in meetings, either saying nothing or saying, why are we having this meeting? I was an easy target. Mm -hmm. So I kept getting put in the bottom 10%, even though my work was excellent and everybody told it was excellent. Mm -hmm. And part of the, the, the motivation for getting something done was I had to find some kind of explanation or I was going to get into real, real trouble and, and possibly even end up losing my job. Mm -hmm. so the, the two combined of wanting to understand myself and know why I was like this plus the very real professional in incentive that this was causing me major problems at work now combined 
and it, it drove me and actually work were good to me and that they put me through what we have here it's called occupational health where you can I got a referral from my work to, to medical specialists mm-hmm. and, and that's what led to my diagnosis it, it started off with a, with a phone call to a, a work counsellor who then referred me for an actual morning of tests and, and when the, the, the initial phone call said to me yes I'm pretty sure you're autistic but we've got to get you tested I, I burst into tears because it just suddenly everything made sense mm-hmm. and, and 40 odd years of trying to be somebody that I wasn't and that I couldn't be I realized it wasn't me um I mean I, I actually said to my boss who, who was a good mate at the time it, it it doesn't mean that I'm I'm still not a pain in the backside it just means I've got a reason why I am now <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just choosing to do that <laughs> <laughs> well part of me is feeling like okay get just taking the story on the surface and part of me is like why are you different from the rest of us because mm. you know we're all we're all go through those phases anyway right so it's it's partly just learning who you really are and accepting that that's definitely a big part of it yes mm-hmm. and, and one of my favorite phrases about autistic people particularly is if you've met one autistic person you've met one autistic person yeah. <laughs> because we, we're all different as well. There are a lot of sort of myths and, 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 and generalizations about autistic people that they're all good at maths and things like that. Well, as it happens, I am good at maths. I like maths, but there are lots of autistic people that, that are hopeless at maths, you know, so there's, there's lots of stereotypes and so on. Yeah, yeah. But the way I, it, it's difficult to explain, but it is that different wiring, different approach to things, different sensitivities and balances and priorities, I suppose. I find talking to people that I don't know enormously difficult. Yeah. What you'd perhaps call, we'd call in England small talk. I, I don't know if you'd have a different name for it in the, in the States. I, I just can't, yeah. I just can't do it. You know, I have absolutely nothing to say. With one-to-one conversation, you know, this is fine because you're asking me questions and that's keeping the conversation going. But if I was just left to make conversation with you, I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just don't have those social people skills at all. Mm-hmm. I find I think of things very differently. I interpret things very differently. Um, things like tone and body language when people are speaking to me, I, I will miss altogether or, or completely misread. Mm-hmm. And equally, I will apparently give out tone and body language signals that, that are completely opposite to what I mean. Because yeah. just none of that, I think what you call emotional intelligence, I just have none of that at all. Mm-hmm. And, and that. Is a, is a big quite common factor in autism so it really was the social things that I found difficult and, and the endless meetings at work that I just saw no point in at all that that's a big difference and then I have sensitivities as well that we can perhaps go on to later but yeah there's, they're different in that way but there, there are positives too because I, I see different solutions mm-hmm. I see different approaches to things mm-hmm. and again my, my, my boss when I was diagnosed appreciated that and appreciated that I would come up with a different approach to things Mm-hmm. But there was some other baggage that he had to deal with alongside that. It, it, it was a package. I, I I will get fixated on something. If I see an injustice, and injustice is a big thing to a lot of autistic people, we can't sit back and watch injustice happening. Yeah. So I would get a cause and I would pursue it till I got somewhere. Now, sometimes that suited my boss. If it was something he wanted sorting, yeah. and he could put me and he called me as a tack dog on it because he knew that I would just not give up till I got it sorted, even though I drove everybody mad. Yeah, but sometimes it was something that was annoying me, and I ended up upsetting people that he then had to smooth over. But he accepted that, that he couldn't have one without the other. Right, I, I couldn't switch between the two and only do it when it suited him. Yeah, so there are just lots of different personality 
times but but it is a, a, a a physical neurological thing as well there are wonderful wonderful pictures comparing the brain of a baby and if you're not neurodiverse which I defined we refer to people as neurotypical which is the majority of the population mm-hmm. comparing a neurotypical brain's baby uh, baby's brain with a neurodiverse baby's brain and you see there are just more synapses firing in the brain there is more going on it, it doesn't mean that we're any more intelligent we're certainly not but we just have more and more thoughts and ideas. And, and for me, my brain just won't shut up, mm-hmm. which is great when you're trying to brainstorm a problem, but horrific at two in the morning when you're trying to get back to sleep and it, it, <laughs> it's coming up with 20 ideas a minute and, and won't leave you alone. And no, get to sleep. So uh, <laughs> there are lots and lots of differences. Wow. So, so many challenges. It sounds like you did a very good job on educating your boss about you to know how to work with you. Yeah, I think the, the time is right, was right. I mean, there is a lot more talk in workplaces now about diversity, about inclusion, mm-hmm. about neurodiversity and mental health in particular, because there was a huge link between neurodiversity and, and mental health. I have other mental health issues. I have depression and anxiety that were diagnosed long before my autism. Mm-hmm. And that's quite common with, with autistic people because you're, you're spending your whole life living in a world that's designed not for you, but for a different sort of person. Mm-hmm constantly fighting battles often being put down and bullied and and because anybody different gets bullied and treated badly a lot of the time unfortunately and you spend a lot of your time doing what's called masking which is trying to pretend to be somebody that you're not so social situations in particular most people can just rely on their instincts to, to to take them through if you're autistic you go to a party or something you have to basically double second guess yourself on every single thing that you do or say and and what's normal to do now because I don't want to make a scene or stand out and that's exhausting and that can lead to mental illness Mm -hmm. and I say this I'm I'm not a doctor I'm not a scientist or or, or a a specialist in this everything I say I say from my own experience and from talking to other people with similar conditions so an awful lot of autistic people have mental health conditions but that's meant that the, the, the current big push on at least saying people are taking mental health seriously. I'm, I'm not always convinced those that say they're taking it seriously actually are. It's, it's, there's a good bit of PR in there sometimes, I think. But I've tried to take advantage of that mm-hmm. to push this agenda and to educate people. And I think most people are quite open to being educated if, if it's done in the right way. Mm-hmm. Well, I certainly appreciate your um, helping me understand better so that um, that. I can be um, a, a help you to support your mission and be able to be respectful and um, use you know interact with people different people with neurodiversity people who are different and interact with them in a productive way. Um, you in an article you wrote, which I, we, you and I talked about earlier, you um, talked about some minor adjustments that we can make. Um, the neurotypical people um, in order to um, accommodate and and everybody wins from this. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. There's a few things. And again, the the primary thing is is to speak to the person that you're dealing with because their needs will always be different and and they're the best person to speak to about what they need and what will help them. And most autistic people will be overjoyed to be asked what, what will make this life easier for you, what can we do to help you and and, and so on I mean I I spoke about tone of voice and body language I mean that one of the first things I would say is is say what you mean don't don't try and drop hints and and say yes but I I said that but I meant something else from my tone and and so on because I I won't get that 
at all. So just, so just something like sarcasm, you might not get sarcasm. It, it's you see, it's funny you see because I get sarcasm and I'm very sarcastic myself. <laughs> but, but some of the slightly more subtle things of, of somebody might saying it's fine when you know fine is what it's not. It usually means it's not fine at all. Yeah. But if you say it's fine to an autistic person, they very well will believe that it's fine. Yeah. Because that's what you've said. Now I've I've learned through long and bitter experience that fine generally means it's it's far from fine. But the, you know that can apply to other words as well. People saying things are okay when they clearly aren't, and, and so on. Yeah, it's all those little hidden messages that neurotypical people pick up from birth and, and don't seem to need any education and still mystify me after fifty years. You know. So it's so say what you mean will be one. Okay. The other another thing I'd, I'd like to flag it is the environment can be hugely difficult for autistic people depending where you are lots of autistic people are hypersensitive to certain things in the environment now, now for me it's noise but it's not just any noise you know if I want to listen to music I might well play it quite loud and I'll be fine with that the noise that bothers me is if it's lots and lots of people's voices at once so if you go to these conferences I'm fine when there's a speaker on the stage but sometimes they'll say right we want you all to have a table discussion now and there'll be 20 tables of 10 people in the room, all of whom start having discussions at once, at which point I will have to sort of run from the room. What I don't have, and I've I've tried to sort of rationalise this, I don't have that filter. Most people, I think, will sit at the table and they will hear the person speaking across the table. They will be aware of a hum of conversation in the background, but they shut all that out and focus on the person speaking. I can't do that. No matter what I do, my brain will be trying to listen and interpret and analyse every single voice I can hear, yeah. which might be 20 or 30 voices. And, and you, you can't do that. It's a total overload. Yeah, yeah. So lots and lots of voices. It, it almost physically makes my head hurt. Yeah. So if I'm talking to somebody, I need quiet without, without lots of distractions. Other autistic people, it might be sight. I, I, my employer's building some new offices at the moment, so I went with an autistic friend to look around them, and I was saying the space is too big and too noisy. For him, the issue was that all the services, the desks, the walls, the ceilings, everything, were white. Mm-hmm. Didn't bother me that at all. He was fine with the noise. The white didn't bother me, but he couldn't even look at the table. We sat down at a conference table, which was all white, and he couldn't look down because mm-hmm. it was literally have hurt him to see all that whiteness it would have overstimulated him so for him it, it's it's vision others it might be smells and, and so on and they can smell things that will annoy them that you or I might not be able to smell at all and and this is what's so frustrating I've, I've, I've had to step out of conferences and I've, I'll say to somebody oh yeah it's, it's really noisy especially that person and they'll say well I can't hear her what do you mean I can't hear her? I'm down the corridor through a door and I can still hear her. <laughs> you know, so it's, and I don't have particularly good hearing, but it's, it is that sensitivity. So it's really asking autistic people, is there a good place for you to go? What, what would work for you? And, and so on. I mean, personally, I, I prefer to do as much as I can in my life by electronic communication. So email, text, web chat and so on. Because I find even phone calls or, or face-to-face, I can very easily get panicked or say the wrong thing, or start misreading signals, or, or get anxious and get, get agree to something I shouldn't agree to. Mm-hmm. So I like to do a lot of my, my life like that. And it's no nothing about the person that I'm speaking to. It, it, it's everybody, you know. So it's a, But the, the key thing is to ask the person that you're dealing with, say what you're, you mean, mm-hmm. and ask them about the environment, and is there anything that would make life easier for them. There was a wonderful story, I think, on LinkedIn last week, where somebody said, I went to a meeting with my boss, and I said the room was too bright, so he just turned the light off. And then they had the meeting in semi-darkness, and he was fine. That was all it took. 
Mm-hmm. So many of these things are so small and so easy to do. Yeah. Yet get overlooked, which is it's why I'm trying to to raise awareness because I think a lot of these changes would be very easy, and then the the people would benefit and bring huge advantages. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's really helpful because I think. We do that with people. We put we put people in categories or you know follow stereotypes. Even like I was saying to you earlier, I have a friend whose son is autistic, and he's quite different from you. Um, so if I know one autistic, I know one autistic. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a very helpful phrase. And um, so, were there other tips beside the um, well, beside the asking uh, piece of it that you talked about? I, I think it's, 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 it's being patient, it, it's listening, it's accepting that people might be different, have different approaches to doing things. Mm-hmm. And a, a, a key message I would want to get across is that autistic people aren't better than, or worse than other people. Yeah. We're just different. Yeah. And we do a lot of things differently. You know, I've worked in an office for 30 years for lots of different bosses Nobody has ever, ever complained that I don't produce enough work, mm-hmm. that my work isn't good enough, that I don't do enough. But what they have complained is that often they walk past my desk and I don't appear to be doing anything. Mm-hmm. Because I don't, most people sit and they will work and they will work at a steady pace for seven and a half hours, eight hours, whatever. I will go bananas for 45 minutes mm-hmm. and then appear to be doing not very much for a couple of hours, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But in that time, my head is still ticking. I'm coming up with the ideas for the next thing and, and, and so on. So so appearances can be deceptive. Yeah, yeah. Just don't judge. Think, give people a chance, give people a chance to be themselves, see, see the positives as, as well as the issues and so on. It's very easy to, to see that um, the negatives. And, and one struggle I've always had is I'm absolutely hopeless at interviews. Because you know, taking me and putting me in a room with three complete strangers and telling me to talk about myself for 45 minutes is just about my worst nightmare. Yeah. Talking to strangers at all is horrific. Yeah. Um, so an inter- I've, I've failed almost every interview I've ever had in my life. I can do the job, yeah. but i failed the interview. So think about different accommodations and so on. I've, I've said I'm autistic, I need accommodations, and the accommodation I've been given is, well, we asked you if you were okay at the start. That, that, that's not enough, you know. Put more weight on the written evidence or, or let people bring in notes or give them more time. Just take it into account that mm-hmm. if you're an interview, you are not seeing an autistic person at their best at all. Just that, the, the best, best comparison I like to be is, is thankfully now, compared with 20 or 30 years ago, for someone in a wheelchair, they can get almost everywhere, certainly in public life. There are ramps everywhere. There are very, very few places now that only have stairs. Mm-hmm except perhaps a few old buildings and so on, and even them, those are being adapted. When it comes to autism, we are still building buildings full of stairs only yeah. for autistic people, um, yeah. and we can't get at them, up them. It's just not something we can do. You, you, you can't tell a wheelchair user just to get on with getting up a flight of stairs, yet we seem to do the same thing to autistic people all the time. Yeah. Just go and work in that open plan office. It's not that noisy, and, and so on, because it's unseen. So it's, it's a, a really good process. analogy. So I have a question for you. So I, I approached you and asked you to come on the Totally Well show and talk to me. And I I was a little nervous because I wasn't sure how this would go. Mm-hmm. And um, if I knew enough to accommodate you in a way, but I really wanted to hear it from you and see your face and get to know you. Mm-hmm. So for my needs. Mm-hmm. So what could I have done differently to accommodate you? 
it's actually this, this this has been fine and I, and it's been fine because you're lovely obviously but also because i can talk and will happily talk about autism and mental health till the cows come home okay so i was very comfortable in the subject okay I, I also have this slightly weird situation where if there's a room of 100 people, if you put me on a platform in the front of them and say to sort of give a, a speech to them, I will love that. I love public speaking and, and almost performing and so on. And it's almost, as many performers say, it's almost like a different me that, that yeah. goes up on that stage. I absolutely love it. But if you tell me to go around and speak to them all individually, I would be utterly, utterly terrified. Yeah. So I'm trying to compare this, because I've not done anything like this before, to be more talking to the hundred people at once yeah well hopefully we are hopefully we're going to speak to millions hopefully yes what you think (laughs) so i'm just trying to think of this as another kind of version of that yeah but for the modern age particularly when we've all got to stay in our houses for the next three months or or whatever as well so um that's the way i'm thinking of it yeah i mean the the only thing and and i'm not sure how much it would have helped was was maybe to to come on and we did have a chat before we started recording and and maybe to have had a a chat the day before or something but i mean it's been fine i didn't really need that i didn't even think of that myself but it's just about feeling comfortable with people you know once i'm comfortable with somebody there's no shutting me up but but (laughs) the initial talking to somebody i don't know don't know anything about and so on can be very very hard but no there wasn't a huge amount i mean you you prepared me you told me how to go what you wanted me to talk about knowledge is a huge thing knowing what's coming it stops the worry it stops the anxiety lots of anxiety so the more we know the more we can plan for and and yet and that was great so yes there wasn't a huge amount no well, I'm happy to hear that, that, you know, my, what I sensed when I asked you to do this is that you were competent. You seemed to, you know, you, you jumped on the different steps because you hadn't done Zoom before. So I gave you a new platform to try out and you didn't seem to ask me for help. So I, I just thought, well, he's fine. And if not, we'll fix it when it happens. But um, yeah, I was happy to give it a go. I, I, I use teams all the time at work. So once I got on, I saw it was very similar. Yeah. And that was fine. I am nervous. I find change very difficult. I find new things very difficult. But equally, the more I'm, I'm going now and having almost like a new lease of life in, in later life is I know I have to push myself out of my comfort zone more because that's yeah. the only way to make progress. And it's part terrifying and part exciting. Yeah. Well, I, to- I think I earlier told you how I, you looked at my profile and recognized that um, that I'm a hockey player and my family plays hockey. We were joking about um, our, our favorite teams. And um, I started around 50. And so you can learn things later in life. And it is exciting. To me, it feels like the fountain of youth. And so pushing through whatever the fears are, just as a human being, is important. Um, so I'm glad that you that you leaped in this direction and yeah it is it's exhilarating and i'm actually really really enjoying this and actually this morning i wasn't particularly nervous i, I thought i might be yeah. but only in the few minutes before i got that little rush of nerves which is like when i'm public speaking and i kind of embrace that because you want that little shot of adrenaline yeah that, that yeah. helps as well so yeah this this has been great and it's it it shows you can embrace new things and try new things and then it is important to keep trying new things i mean the one of the things I like to think about is, is every top horse rider, whether it's a jockey or a show jumper or whatever, the only way they ever found out they were any good at riding a horse was to get on one. Yeah. N- nobody ever sort of feels, you know, I think I'd be a, br- I know I'd be a brilliant jockey if I could ever get on a horse. You only find out you can ride a horse well when you get on a horse. 
Yeah. I've never got on a horse as it happens, but there's lots of things you can only find out if you can do them or if you're good at them and so on by trying them. So it's important to try things. And sometimes you accept, yeah, I tried that. It was awful. I was terrible at it and so on. It might be time to try something else, but you, you've got to try new things to find out, even if it's scary. Well, you're talking about my book I plan to write, which is called The Wrong Side of the Glass. And it's kind of how I I viewed life always like television when I was a kid was those people in there are happy and I'm on the wrong side of the glass. And then it the the, the um, hockey metaphor with mm-hmm. looking at the game okay. from yeah. outside and I wasn't playing, I wasn't skating. and I, But I always thought, just like you said, I could do that. Mm-hmm. And then when I got, I got breast cancer, which kind of made things pivot. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I, if I'm going to ever prove that. And I had this like passion to want to prove that I could do it. And so it required stepping over onto the other side of the glass. And it was terrifying, just like you said. It is, but you get there sometimes and you think, why didn't I do this years earlier? It, yeah. It's fantastic. So, yeah, yeah, the way to think is, well, not why didn't I do this years earlier? But thank goodness I didn't wait another 10 years before I did it. Exactly. So we all can do new things. That, that I heard the other day of a 95-year-old starting a new business. Yeah. Oh, well, good for you. You go, I hope I'm starting a new business at 95. You know, it's, <laughs> I, I, I haven't it. spent my life resistant to change. I'm now actively pursuing it is probably overstating it, but, but certainly looking for change in areas that I feel comfortable with and, and, and that I want to change and so on. And, and each time you go through a barrier, each time you, you, you do something that scares you and it's okay, I think it makes it a little bit easier for the next time. Yeah, 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 baby steps. Well, we're, we're about out of time. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you'd like to share? No, it's it's really just, again, to say talk, talk to autistic people. We, we'd love to share more about what it's like to be autistic, how it affects our life, how there are things going on that you might not ever see or know or whatever. And a lot of it can be like swans, you know, it all looks serene on the surface and then the feeder going bananas under the water, paddling <laughs> along, trying to cope. <laughs> and, and if you want to learn more about autism uh, there is so much online there are some brilliant autistic blogs there is a fantastic hashtag on twitter which is hashtag asking autistics so you know maybe you're having a meeting with somebody autistic or whatever and you want to just sort of test the ground for how would they be with this or whatever if you can't ask them directly go on twitter use the hashtag asking autistics how would an autistic person likely to cope with this? Again, we're all different. You can't get an exact answer. But if there's anything you're curious about or need to know, use that. And, and the autistic community will, will try and answer it. That Online has been brilliant for autistic people because we can find others like us. You can indicate, flag quite, quite directly that you are autistic. And you can get much, much more support from your peers and from each other yeah. than was possible before we had the internet. So it's a fantastic thing for that. But... The promise is talk to autistic people, ask them, make them feel comfortable. You might have to make the first move and the second move and the third move because we're quite shy and, and find talking to people difficult or email them or text them might be easier. But but talk and, and listen and learn because we'd love to tell you more about what we need and then what we can do for you and how we can help and how we can bring our strengths to, to help other people as well because we love to help. Well, you are an amazing person, a fabulous speaker, um, I could I could see you controlling a room um, and really, you know, a big crowd of people in front of you and really helping educate so many and making our lives better. So I am very grateful, Mark, for your time today and 
and uh, caring enough to teach me and taking your time to do that and my listeners. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I've, I've really enjoyed it. And thank you for all that you're doing and, and for providing this platform. And, and uh, I hope you go from strength to strength with your, your, your podcast and your hockey. Well, thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks a lot. Thank Hey everyone, Joyce Strong back again just to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. I want to remind you that you can visit me at TotalWellCoach.com, which links to all my social media and my offerings, my Inner Circle membership, which is a an entry-level way to get involved, get coaching, and get all my classes for one low monthly fee. And if you want more, work with me one-on-one with intensive nutrition and lifestyle so that you can opt out of chronic disease, then get in touch with me and we'll talk about how that happens. We spend a lot of time together. I want you to join the one-on-one coaching if you're really committed to making a lifestyle change and you want a guide and a support and a friend to walk with you in this journey. You're going to do the work. I'm going to support you. Um, You already have what you need inside you to make these changes. So do reach out to me at TotalWellCoach.com. I love it when you subscribe and share and comment on all my um, YouTube and on Apple Podcasts and all those places because it elevates my frequency and it gets more people to hear and see what I do. So please, 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 I really, it means the world to me if you would help support me that way because you're helping support my entire network. I'm here for you if you need me. So thanks again for tuning into the podcast and reach out. Love to hear you. Love to get your comments. Love to get your DMs. Love to get your emails. Any way I can help, let me know. That's what I'm here to do. I love to serve. So thanks again.